0: Hello, Jeroen. Good morning. Welcome to the ESTID podcast, the Ethics of Socially Disruptive Technologies podcast. Great to talk to you today.
1: Thanks, Julia. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. So Jeroen, you are a postdoc in this research program and you have been employed to carry out fundamental research for the whole program. So something that's really useful for all members of our program. So because you are actually um, trying to yeah find out what um socially disruptive technologies are what this notion of social disruption actually means. And you have already made quite some progress in this regard, you have recently published a paper called what are socially disruptive technologies, this has been published in technology in society. So I want to talk to you today about this paper in particular, but also a bit more generally about the research that you have been doing so um, in this paper you. Um, start from an influential conceptualization of socially disruptive, uh, or no, actually, of, just of disruptive technologies, the conceptualization by Christensen, and you argue that this is actually of limited use. Yes, so you um, say that we need a broader notion of disruption, a sort of disruption that you call techno-social disruption, and you then um, develop criteria for assessing the disruptiveness, uh, disruptiveness of a technology. So could you perhaps, um, briefly describe Christensen's influential conceptualization of disruptive technologies and explain why that conception is of limited use and why we need your broader notion of techno disruption.
1: Yeah, thanks, Liam. Yeah, so I, I guess let me start by pointing out that I think it's worth mentioning Christensen's view, Clayton Christensen's view in the first place because it's very influential, especially in, in circles of business and economics and in academia more generally. So when there's talk about of, of technological disruption and you look up a few, a few papers on, on google scholar then it's likely you encounter christensen's work so since I'm, I'm i'm discussing the nature of disruptive technologies socially disruptive technologies i mean i have to relate in some sense to christensen right so the basic idea of, of christensen is that um, disruptive technologies they introduce something new in a consumer market which initially only appeals to to a small group as it does not target existing consumer needs, but then subsequently it turns out that an all uh, an altogether new set of consumer needs is generated by these new technologies, and so the the technologies rapidly become popular, and they transform markets, right? And and that kind of market change can also be reflected in our practices. So, uh, for instance, when I grew up in the in the 1990s everyone had the yellow pages at home. And one decade later, they suddenly disappeared from each home and everybody was using the internet, right? So that's, that's really the result of disruption. And then I think, I mean, so, so that's, that's very interesting to, to study how this kind of market disruptions occur. But I think that for philosophers and for ethics of technologies, that might not be the most useful or the most interesting framework to look at technological disruption. Um, because it really is a framework to look at disruption in the context of market economies. But as philosophers, we are not just interested in what goes on in market economies, but we're also interested in how technology disrupts various other things, right? Social practices, moral norms, the concepts we use or very mode of existence. So in that sense, I think that uh, Christensen's framework is somewhat limited in in analyzing the disruptions that specifically manifest themselves outside of this market and business context and that's not necessarily a criticism of of Clayton Christensen it's really that his framework was never made or meant to be to capture disruptions in this broader sense
0: yeah that's clear yes so you go beyond him by also capturing other kinds of effects that technologies can have yeah um what or do you want to say anything else about that how you go beyond Christensen, in your own um, approach.
1: Yeah, so 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 I, indeed, I, I go beyond in 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 sketching a broader landscape of how moral norms and values and concepts and our mode of existence is disrupted, disrupted. But I also go, so so in that sense, my account is much broader, but it's also more specific in the sense that it specifically targets the the kinds of disruptions that are. Very distinctive of our current predicament in the face of technology, and that are philosophically and ethically important.
0: Yeah, what would be an example of a socially disruptive technology of our times and its disruptive effects?
1: So, arguably, the the, the core disruptive technology of the present age would be artificial intelligence, uh, which is a very broad technology. It might be regarded as the new sort of general purpose technology, as electricity was one second one century ago. Um, and it 's used in various fields in engineering. it connects with various other technologies which often merge um, and ai is 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 quickly finding its way into a wide range of human practices, including uh, practices in the medical sphere in in the legal sphere in communication democracy right right
0: yeah and it raises
1: a, a, a heap of of social issues. Think about um, automated and unemployment because of AI. It raises various moral issues, which have to do with privacy, fairness, uh, discrimination, manipulation, security, transparency, uh, responsibility gaps that emerge. And it also challenges certain concepts like the concept of agency. So uh, human agency is becoming sort of intertwined with the agency of intelligent systems, um, but it might... Put some pressure on the concept of agency itself. Can can hybrid agency still be appropriately described as human agency? Right. So there's these very yeah. disruptive impacts that make AI a, a sort of paradigm case of being a disruptive, current, currently disruptive technology.
0: Yeah. And if you think about how you would evaluate uh, the disruptions that AI uh, brings about, would you say it um, disrupts both in a positive and in a negative sense? Because I think um, as you described it also in the paper, in Christensen's account, in the economic sphere, this notion of disruption has actually a positive connotation. Whereas I think um, in other contexts, disruption often also has a negative connotation. So how, how do you see that?
1: Yeah, I think that's correct. I, th- I think that the disruptions of AI are a mixed bag. Some are, are called for and some are, we should be very wary of. Uh, whereas in, in Christensen's context, because he is so much focused on the market sphere, and because it, it's mostly like business and marketing people who are interested in this framework, they want to be disruptors, right? To disrupt that is that's something positive in that context. That's really a way of of making more profit, of capturing new markets, etc. So so that's an aim, it's an, an aspiration of disruptors to disrupt in the market yes. sense. And 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 the, the concept of social disruption that I'm interested in. Uh, that's ethically important but whether it's called for or not that that remains to be seen that depends on the context
0: yeah yeah i think that's really important to to highlight because some people might immediately think of it as something negative indeed some destructing something existing yeah um so what i really like about your approach that is that you come up with these uh, seven criteria for techno-social disruptiveness i think that gives us a very like rich Picture of what technosocial disruption amounts to. Could you um, just briefly say what your uh, criteria are?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 preliminarily, let me let me sort of sketch the broad definition mm-hmm. which these criteria build. So, I sort of define yes. disruption as as the breaking down of a societal equilibrium or of an entrenched state of affairs or stable developmental trajectory. Um, which is quite significant, and, and given the, the breaking down of this previous important equilibrium, the disruption causes all kinds of uncertainty, it calls for reflection, it prompts novelty. And and that's, I mean, so so the sort of thin, very thin sense of disruption is this breaking down of some kind of equilibrium. And then building on this sort of very thin notion, I articulate several several criteria which give a more sort of thick, richer set of conditions of what makes a certain technology disruptive. And the seven that I highlight in the paper, they they are, I'll just mention them, they are the depth of impact. So how deep do the impacts of the the technology go, the range of impacts, how many domains does it affect, the sort of emotional and and psychological upheaval that is caused by the disruption, the ethical significance of the impacts uh, of the disruption, then the extent of the uncertainty it provokes, the pace of the change, so how rapidly does disruption occur, and lastly the reversibility of impacts and taken together, if all these criteria are satisfied to a high degree, that would make a, 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 a technology highly socially disruptive.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, so your first criterion you just mentioned is depth of impact. Could you tell us a bit more about this notion of depth? So what exactly makes an impact or a disruption deep and also how the notion of deep is related to basic?
1: Right, yeah, so, so, so deep disruptions, as I understand it, they, they put into question what were previously held as sort of fixed points about human nature, human society, the natural world, right? So good, to give you an example, synthetic biology uh, is, a new, is, an, is an emerging field of technology which allows for the creation of organisms um, that have not been created through a Darwinian evolutionary process and, and it allows for this creation of organism basically in the first time for, for in, in billions of, of years, right? So that's yeah. something tota- totally new and so there, there's definitely a sort of fixed point of human existence or even of life on earth that is being uh, overtaken there. Or think of neurotechnology, the kind of implants that are that are being developed, which promise to fundamentally alter modes of experience of, of human cognition, right? And, and then there's also the deep disruption that they manifest themselves as the disruptions of our fundamental uh, concepts, especially moral concepts are important here. So, um, uh, so synthetic biology it also challenges the very notion what it means to be alive, right? And then there are the yeah. ancient technologies currently being developed which challenge the notion of finitude right so there are all these sort of fixed points regarding or, or moral practices regarding the concepts we use um that sort of need to be refought here or that are at least being challenged and and perhaps um need to be refought along the way so these are the kind of these these deep disruptions that are particularly interesting i think in the, in the context yeah
0: this, of course, really also relates to the core of our research program, right? That's how these technologies affect um, fundamental concepts. Yeah, so I understand how this um, criterion, like, is um, particularly important. Now, to to focus now on the criterion of um, of a variety of domains, so you emphasise that a technology that affects a variety of domains is more disruptive than ones that only affects like one or two domains. But you, of course, you also have the um, degree in which um, a a domain is affected or disrupted. And if you now imagine a technology and perhaps it's, I don't know if if you can easily find an example where perhaps um, the effect is mainly in one domain, but it it affects that domain to a very high degree. Would you then still say that it is uh, after all, less disruptive than one that like AI, as you explained earlier, that has an effect on a, a great variety of different domains?
1: Um, yeah, not necessarily so. So I think that, that using disruptiveness as a sort of comparative notion as you're proposing, so to, to compare diff- the disruptiveness of different technologies, I mean, it can be helpful when we are concerned with sort of paradigm cases, right? So if you yeah. say that AI is more disruptive than like some very trivial technology. I mean, then we should have a justification for making that claim. And I think that my my uh, my criteria can provide such a justification. So, so in that sense, I think that disruptiveness can be made a somewhat precise notion, or I think in the paper, I call it a quasi-technical term. Uh, but I don't regard it as super precise. And so when mm. we are concerned with cases that are like, Different in kind or with with or with regard to differences that are quite subtle, I think that making comparisons is different um, so I think that there may not be a clear fact to the matter whether AI is more disruptive than synthetic biology. The other example I just mentioned um, I mean arguably it is, but they are also very different and they may merge mm-hmm. at some point so and 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 perhaps even more fundamentally i 'm not entirely sure what we would gain. If there were such a fact of the matter, so what do we gain by saying that the one is more disruptive than the other? So I think that ranking disruptiveness, mm-hmm. in that sense, it's, it may be a worthwhile endeavor when it comes to the broad outlines, right? We want to know what are the paradigm cases and how to understand their disruptiveness. But when it comes to the detail, then I think it, it's actually more interesting to differentiate between the different kinds of disruptiveness, right? So we want yeah. to say that one technology is particularly conceptually disruptive. Whereas another is particularly morally disruptive, right? And these may be related, but they're not the same. So that's a distinction worth preserving. So I think that's particularly an interesting topic to flesh out.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, thank you. But this uh, relates me to another question, which concerns how you would like your framework to be used and applied in particular, perhaps within our program. And some people actually have already started applying it, which is of course really nice to see, But, but yeah, could you say a little bit more about the purpose of this framework and how you would like it to be used?
1: So the framework as I'm as I'm outlining it in in this paper that has been published in Technology and Society is first and foremost about conceptualizing the phenomenon, right? So what yes. are we talking about when we talk about social disruption in the first place? And I think that's I mean that is useful I mean because it's not entirely clear in the first place how what we are talking about. So I think that's the first and the primary aim of this paper is to help conceptualizing the phenomenon. And indeed, that's actually how it has been used already. There was recently a, a keynote lecture by Bernice boven at the 40U ethics conference, uh, where she argued that two applications of CRISPR technology, namely the extinction and gene drives, have a potential to disrupt central concepts and values of conservation practices. And there she used these seven criteria to argue for the disruptiveness of, of gene drives and uh, the extinction technology. Right? so so that's the, the, the first part conceptualizing the phenomenon yes then secondly, there's also there are questions in anticipatory ethics, so there seems there may be something specific about disruptive technologies and the kind of conceptual, legal, even existential challenges they pose um, that makes them very interesting and important and perhaps also distinctive as technologies which require a certain kind of reflection in, in the anticipatory ethics. Because they raise their own set of issues and we might have their own set of procedures of how to go about them. So I also think that this kind of set of criteria might be a useful basis to reflect on that. That's not something I'm doing yet in this paper. Mm. I think that might be an an interesting next point to think. What are the distinctive set of issues, ethical issues that are raised by, by disruptive technologies? But it's the kind of guidance that we that they require and that we can provide here, right? So that's that's not an argument yeah. that I make yet in the paper, but I mm-hmm. think a, a direction worth taking in the future.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind is then that, of course, one of your criteria is extent of uncertainty, and you yeah. emphasize that in many cases the uncertainty is is high, and this seems to make anticipation particularly difficult, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that relates to a sort of classical dilemma with regard to emerging technologies, right? Well, the the, the Collingridge dilemma.
0: Collingridge dilemma, yes.
1: If, if, if uh, technologies are very premature, then there's a lot of malleability still for them, but we're highly uncertain about their eventual societal take-up. Whereas if we wait until we see how the technology evolves and, and what shape it takes, then we do know about their societal implications, but they're not so malleable anymore, and we can't really alter them anymore. So I think I mean that is a that is a sort of deep dilemma to which all uh, ethics of emerging technologies have have to relate um but i I, I do think there are ways out for them, and especially when when you are at the first horn of the dilemma, so when you are dealing with emerging technologies uh, which are still very flexible, we don't really know which shape they will take in the future. Think about, for instance. Solar radiation management, that's a, that's a technology we're talking about nowadays in the context of climate change. Um, there's many worries about this technology, but the technology really doesn't exist yet. It's, it's quite still flexible; yes. the, the shape it will take. And my stance yeah. is we can uh, uh, continue to develop these kind of technologies, uh, provided there is very good ethical guidance, provided we have very strong ethical frameworks in place in order to guide the technologies um, and so we can actually shape them for our purposes right so i think it's also the challenge here is 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 in part to set up the kind of ethical infrastructure such that this guidance is possible and such that the technologies are shaped in accordance with our values and and, and aims
0: yeah thanks um Are there also ways in which you would really not like your like framework to be used, or any like kind of warnings that you want to give to people how you shouldn't be understood, and where you think it might perhaps be understood in that way, which is not how you intended to be understood?
1: Um, I mean, I guess uh, I mean the framework outlined in the paper, as I already said, it's it's not an ethical framework yet, Mm. right? So the 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 criteria as currently outlined, they should not be understood as uh, criteria of 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 what is ethically harmful or something like that, and I mean and 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 I do think that if we come up with a set of ethical criteria, they will be different in some respects. So, for instance, one of my criteria here is emotional or psychological salience. If 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 uh, disruptive technology raises a lot of emotions, I mean that that adds to the disruptiveness of a technology. But I don't think it necessarily yes. translates to its ethical importance. I think that we might there might actually be a kind of hype or we might actually be misguided in, in following this this uh, psychological upheaval, so to say. So I don't think that we should blindly translate one kind of category into the other that requires reflection. So that's so that's how the current paper should not be used as a framework for ethical. Mm-hmm.
0: Good thank you. I hope all members of the research program are listening <laughs> will be listening at some point and <laughs> take this seriously yes, um now I'm also curious to hear what you are planning on doing next with this um are you also planning on really coming up with with really ethical uh, guidelines um yeah what what are you currently working on? How are you continuing this fundamental research
1: yeah so so I mean I alluded to some things so i i do Plan to work on making this into more of a framework for anticipatory ethics. I'm not working on that yet, but I do think that's a worthwhile direction to take it, uh, to articulate a more clear, clearly and normative framework of how to deal with socially disruptive technologies, right? There are ethical issues that are quite distinctive mm-hmm. to socially disruptive technologies, I think, on the, re- on the one hand that are relevant for uh, uh, disruptors in general. I mean, one has to take into account what responsibility Uh, comes about with disrupting certain things so that's not just like like the, the christensen followers think necessarily a good thing i mean it also engenders a certain kind of responsibility but then there is also these various other ethical challenges that have to do with conceptual disruption disruption of fundamental ethical concepts that raises various challenges that have to be addressed and that might require a certain specific kind of framework for disruptive technologies so that's one another ambition i have is to Sort of flesh out the relations between social, moral, and conceptual disruption, right? And perhaps also legal yeah. disruption, environmental disruption, epistemic disruption, existential disruption. So there are these various kinds yeah. of disruptions. They seem to be related. They're also different. And and uh, I think it's it's interesting and worthwhile to flesh out the relations between them. Um, and then perhaps lastly, uh, uh, apart from just sketching this framework or frameworks along these lines. I would also be interested in applying them, right? So, not just to set a yeah. framework for anticipatory ethics, but also look at actual uh, socially disruptive technologies and analyze which call for specific ethical attention and, and whether there are perhaps certain commonalities uh, between these different kind of, uh, socially disruptive technologies in, in ways we should go about them.
0: Yes, and I can imagine that you would like to do that also with other people of the research program, right? From other research lines working perhaps more in very specific uh, fields, and specific technologies.
1: Definitely. I mean, one of the marvelous things uh, about this program is that there are so many researchers uh, involved. I mean, I've, I think that the, the the vast majority of the ethics of technology community in the Netherlands is involved in this project, uh, which is yeah. great. Many people have, have, have expertise uh, which... Uh, allow for great uh, collaboration so so that's definitely something to to be addressed with with many others uh, in in this program yes
0: yes nice then one final question I'm also curious whether there is any um yeah techno social disruption that you are hoping for
1: um, yes um I mean Right, so, so one example that comes to mind, which I recently read, which I quite liked, um, that, that it's a more sort of small scale disruption, but it shows that disruptions can be good in a way. Um, concerns uh, uh, a robot dolphin. So there's this field of robotics, animatronics, uh, where, where uh, creatures are made that are very lifelike. So, and, and they're often used in movies but uh, steered by PETA, the animal rights organization, uh, a, 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 dolphin, which, a dolphin, which if I recall correctly, was initially made for Free Willy to play in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Robot dolphin has now been put in like a, a dolphin, a, a dolphinarium, like this this sort of theme park where dolphins can uh, perform all kinds of tricks and attract the crowd, But for animal uh, rights or animal welfare reasons, that sort of practices might be criticized, and now it turns out that they put in this robot dolphin there, and basically' it 's indistinguishable from real flesh and blood dolphins, so you see kids playing with it uh, they are equally enthusiastic and I think that really raises the question of perhaps zoos more generally and especially the the big the, 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 the sort of megafauna that is present in zoos. Do we really need animals in there? Can we not do with sort of robots who more or less fulfil the same functions and trigger equal enthusiasm among the youth um, but which are much less harmful for animals. So I think that's an interesting sort of uh, replacement that has a lot of promise, right? Another replacement one might think about is artificial meat, I mean there there, so there might be certain downsides to that as well but there are certainly many upsides of artificial meats in in terms of replacing uh, meat that is coming from factory farmed animals and that's another sort yes. of disruption that might really alter practices, alter our moral, uh, or, or, or moral imperatives, um, and that is called for in, in many ethically relevant ways. So I think that there's a lot of potential from disruptive technologies as well. Yeah.
0: Yes. No, this sounds really uh, promising. I hadn't heard about this robot dolphin. I only knew about robot dogs and cats, but yeah, this sounds like a really really exciting development. So, thanks a lot, Jeroen. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you,
1: my pleasure. Thanks uh,
0: for talking to me.
1: Thank you.